All right, happy Friday, everybody. Happy Pride weekend. It is Jeff Blair, Kevin Barker. On Blair and Barker. I love the way they've made the show that. Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. 707 will be the first pitch tonight. New team in town, new series. The Jays will take on the Minnesota Twins in a three-game series starting tonight. The Jays wrapping up a, uh, well, I'm going to say kind of a revealing series against the Houston Astros last night with a 3-2 win, taking three or four games from the defending world champion Houston Astros. And we'll get to that in a few minutes and look ahead to tonight's game as well as uh, Yusei Kikuchi takes on Sonny Gray. Uh, David Sampson is going to join us. Casey Candell, manager of the AAA Buffalo Bisons, will be along. We'll uh, talk a little bit about um, things as they are in Buffalo, talk a little bit about Mitch White and uh, some of the relief arms in AAA that we're probably going to be seeing sooner or later. Danny Jansen, by the way, will begin his rehab assignment tonight with the uh, with the Buffalo uh, Buffalo Bisons. And will probably, I would imagine, join the Jays for the next road trip. Uh, they have a day off Monday, then they go to Baltimore. Of course, the uh, news today, you, I'm sure, are aware of this by now. After 10 days, I guess, Anthony Bass has been DFA'd, designated for assignment by the Blue Jays. And uh, essentially what that means is the DFA assignment lasts for 10 days. There are three outcomes. Four outcomes, actually. You can be traded. You can be claimed on waivers by another team. You can be assigned to the minors, or you can be given your release. And if you are given your release, the Blue Jays are on the hook for the entirety of your salary. So in other words, I can't. I don't know why any team. I, I, Anthony Bass is not going to be with the Blue Jays. Uh, Ross Atkins, the general manager of the Jays, said that today. He's not going to be AAA. That's not on the uh, on the table. So unless you really, 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 really want Anthony Bass and his four ninety five ERA in your team, uh, you're probably going to be. You're probably going to wait. Let the assignment in, then uh, claim him or sign him, knowing that the Blue Jays are on uh, on the hook for for that money. Uh, this was actually, I mean, it, this is a predictable outcome. You know, if you think back to, as I said, ten roughly ten days ago, uh, when Anthony Bass um, liked an Instagram message that was yeah, a particularly poisonous message aimed at the uh, LGBTQ plus two community and <laughs> then proceeded to double down on it, then proceeded to triple down <laughs> on it essentially. And, and, and the bottom line is essentially Anthony Bass apologized for causing a distraction. He really didn't apologize about, well, no, he not, not that he really didn't, he didn't apologize for what he retweeted. He essentially apologized for causing a distraction. Um, subsequent to that in the story, we still don't know how this came about, but Anthony Bass was scheduled to catch the first pitch tonight uh, as the Jays celebrate Pride Weekend uh, at the ballpark. Now, 
I don't think the Blue Jays knew about this decision until after it was made. My understanding, it was uh, somebody with Pride Toronto who suggested it to Anthony Bass, and Anthony Bass said, sure. And the bottom line here is, in terms of a lesson in crisis management, a whole bunch of people pretty much did a whole bunch of things you shouldn't do in a situation like this. For whatever reason, it seemed as if instead of one message, one clear, easily understandable message, it's like there are things were going off in all in all directions. I said at the time on this show, and Kevin, I think you agreed with me. I said at the time in this show that Anthony Bass, it was just a matter of time before Anthony Bass was going to be was going to be gone from the Blue Jays. I mean, it just was. Um, we can tell you that there were. I, I wouldn't say it created an issue in the clubhouse talked about in the clubhouse. Um, so here's where we are now. Anthony Bass has been DFA'd. Mitch White uh, has been called up. Of course, Mitch White was acquired last year at the trade deadline. He was a guy in spring training that the idea was that he would be, he was going to be insurance against, uh, you know, continued issues from Yusei Kikuchi and from Jose Barrios. At the time, we didn't think that the biggest issue to emerge in the Blue Jays' rotation, Kevin, would be Alec Manoa. That's where we are. So uh, Mitch White will join the Blue Jays. No idea yet who will start for them tomorrow. We'll see what John uh, John Schneider says today, see if he tips his hand. We've heard it could be Bowden Francis. Uh, we've heard it could be an opener, uh, some combination thereof. So we shall... We shall wait and see. But as I said, the story of the day, clearly Anthony Bass being DFA'd by the Blue Jays. And Ross Atkins did a media availability today and was asked about the process behind coming to this decision to DFA Anthony Bass just hours before he was scheduled to catch the ceremonial first pitch. By the way, Kevin Gossman, we're led to believe, will now catch the uh, ceremonial first pitch. This was Ross Atkins talking about the decision to DFA Anthony Bass. It just comes down to these decisions. We make a lot of tough ones, and they we're always focused on making the best possible team we can make. Um, you know, th- this did become a distraction and something that was a variable in that decision. So there you go, Kevin. Uh, it was a b- If you were going to get rid of somebody out of the Blue Jays' bullpen... Everything else aside, Anthony Bass would have been one of the candidates you were going to get rid of. Yeah, it sounds like it. it right? Uh, just uh, now, just hang on. Just from, from a baseball point of view, if you had to get rid of somebody off the bullpen, out of the bullpen, and we know the Jays want Mitch White up here, so if you're going to get somebody off the bullpen, out of the bullpen, it would be Anthony Bass. Well, he's the obvious choice, right? I mean, it's a good excuse. And I, I, I think that's sort of that's sort yes, of where we're going I'm, with oh, this. Yeah, but 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 again, just because it in terms of a who else would you get rid of in terms of a pure baseball decision? He's, he's the obvious choice. Okay. Uh it certainly it's like anything else. If you're the last person on the roster. The last thing you want to do is give your front office more reasons to get rid of you, which is essentially what happened here. I think it's essentially, this yeah. may have happened regardless, but whatever second thoughts the Jays may have had about Anthony Bass or do we want to DFA him? Do we want to let somebody else go? 
that went out the window. Yeah, he made it, their decision it, easy it, for it does, it does sound like, too, the longer this has went on, it's gotten louder in the clubhouse. Like, there's some... It's Nobody just like, likes distractions. Absolutely. And, and it sounds like it's been very vocal in there and, and sort of, you know, enough's enough. And, you know, you, again, yeah, I think the Mitch White thing and, and, and that they don't have the fifth guy and the Alec Manoa issues and, you know, the opener and who's pitching the, the majority of the innings when it comes to that start, there's a, this isn't easy right now thing to do to, you know, get rid of the distraction and the and the guy that obviously hasn't been performing at the level that you need him to. You, you do it, you move on, and hopefully Mitch White comes up and does some things. I'm not real sure what Mitch White can do. Like, I, it's you know, it's about fastball command and breaking stuff. I mean, is he, I mean, from what we're seeing so far, you'll have to be careful with him, right? It'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Ross Atkins was asked about whether or not the players had spoken to him about DFAing Anthony Bass, or more particularly, if they'd spoken to him about the situation. I think it's more just the overall, you know, I don't want to point out specific conversations. And, um, it, you know, again, it comes back to making tough decisions with the focus being building the best team we can build. And that's that's how we made this one. Um, and... Uh, you know, again, look, it's uh, I, I don't I don't know what the I, I don't know what the atmosphere was in the clubhouse. I don't know if this emerged as an issue in the clubhouse. I think reading between the lines, I mean, Ross Atkins mentioned, talked about the distraction being a variable. I mean, you can put two and two together and, and, and never mind the fact that, first of all, the message that Anthony Bass retweeted was was insidious. Uh, but leaving all that aside, or I'm sorry, uh, liked on Instagram was insidious, leaving all that aside. Um, teams, it's just, it became something that put his teammates and the entire organization, first of all, it hurt a lot of people, including people who worked for the Blue Jays, some of whom we've heard from. Um, members of that community who felt as if as if Anthony Bass was sing was 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 uh, singling them out, but it also puts his teammates in positions they may not want to be in for whatever reason, for whatever reason. So it stands to reason that. Uh, Especially when you're you're Anthony Bass, a guy who I mean, let's face it, he's not a key part of the team. Uh, when you create an issue for your teammates, it stands to reason that not everybody in that clubhouse is going to be happy to see you. Um, well said. Ross Atkins was asked, and indeed that would be the same in any in 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 any organization, Absolutely. not just not just a not just a team. Ross Atkins was asked whether or not uh, he would stand in Anthony Bass's way if Bass wants to join another organization. We won't uh, stand in his way to be with another organization. Is there a chance he might stay within the Blue Jays organization, like in a lot I don't see that as a, uh, you know, a, a, a realistic outcome. Is there any potential for trade? Um, don't want to get into the, a player's value. In other words... I am not going to, of course, there's the, of, of course, we'd love, frankly, we'd love to trade Anthony Bass. If anybody out there is dumb enough to want this dude, as opposed to just letting him go through waivers. 
Um, but yeah, Anthony Bass is not is is not going to be back in this organization. Kevin and I have had this discussion. Uh, Kevin, you don't think he's you you think his career is basically over. I, I think he'll I think he'll be pitching with another organization within a month or so because I just uh, I mean I just I I just think that there are enough people out there in enough markets. I, I, where yeah, they will, I, I think you're probably right. The distraction yeah, will be they'll gone. Take, a, they'll a they'll month take from the now. they'll yeah, take yeah. the picture over the person. There you go. They'll take the picture Absolutely. over the person. And I'm sure, um, you're right. Yeah. You know that's just that's just the way that's just the way it is. And you know one of the other things that must be mentioned here, the little digging into this. One of the other things that must be mentioned too is the fact that um, there is a grievance procedure in place in baseball. And there is, there are certain, when you go about getting rid of a player, there are certain reasons, there are certain things that you need to be legal, uh, contractual, things covered under the collective bargaining agreement. There are certain matters that must be dealt with. There's a certain procedure to follow. So it's not, mm-hmm. I don't think, as I'm told, it's not just simply a matter of, we don't like what you said, we're getting rid of you. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be. Performance-driven. You could say that, right? It's not performing. We have a need somewhere else. He's really the only spot. Here's the thing. There's enough gray area. Be careful what you say, Ross. There's enough gray area. Sure. If I don't like you, I can get rid of you. Yeah. I I just can't say that the reason I get rid of you is I don't like you. There you go. And in the case of Anthony Bass, again, uh, he has, he's, he's not, he hasn't, been used in high leverage situations for the most part. Trevor Richards has been really good. Nate Pearson has staked a claim to a job. Adam Simber, I mean, the one thing you know about Adam Simber is you can pick up the phone and if he'll throw the baseball if you want. Eric Swanson's emergence has had something to do they with that. They needed another guy that could give you multiple innings. They needed another guy that could give you multiple innings. Yeah. That's the most important thing. They that need is. another guy. So from I'm saying from a baseball point of view, sure. that's why this particular move uh, that this particular move makes sense, um, but uh, is that going to be the end of it? I mean, it's pretty clear that uh, there are members of the LGBTQ two plus community that um, are really upset about this, and rightfully so. They're upset about what was said. They're upset about the way it was handled. Um, they're upset about the communication involved in this. Uh, So the initial reason for all this has been removed by DFAing Anthony Bass. It it is a necessary step. It is the right step. But I'm reasonably certain people in the organization know there's still more work to do. And, And it's not just this organization. It's not just the Blue Jays organization that needs to do more work. Frankly, it's a, I mean, we as a society need to do more work. But uh, that's where we are with Anthony Bass. He has been DFA'd. Mitch White is up. Again, I don't know. Has John Schneider spoken yet? Do we know? Has he said anything about who is going to? Okay. We'll see if, and I'm following on Twitter to see if we've been given a heads up about who will be Saturday starter. We do know you say Kikuchi, Kevin, is going to start tonight. Against Sonny Gray. 
as uh, the Twins are in town for a three-game series. Jays on a roll. The Jays have won seven of their last eight games, nine of their last uh, 11, 10 of their last 13. Last night, they put a cap on it. I've got to say that in a lot of ways, in in terms of baseball, I don't know if there has been a more satisfactory feeling series for this group of Blue Jays than the one than the one we just saw. Four game series against the defending world champions starts out with Alec Manoa imploding, your opening day starter being sent to the Florida Complex League. Crisis, real crisis in a baseball sense with Alec Manoa. All of a sudden, your two free agent signings, big free agent signings of the last two years, Kevin Gossman, Chris Bassett, step up. And last night, Jose Barrios, the guy you acquired uh, to be a year and a half, two years ago, a guy you acquired to be kind of the bedrock of this rotation, the guy you could count on. He may not be your number one guy, but the guy who was going to give you innings, he comes out against the Houston Astros and uh, 89 pitches over six innings, masterful. You win You win a couple of one-run games against the Houston Astros. Yeah, your starting rotation, it's, it's been excellent. Like very it's, safe, just a, a, a good, all wins are good wins, but those wins felt really good. Close one-run wins, where you got some timely hitting, your starting yep. pitching was good, and your bullpen did the job. It's almost got that feel to it. If you don't make a defensive mistake or a base running mistake, you're going to win most of the time now. Yes. That's sort of got yes. the feel to it, right? Because yes. of the way the rotation is going with the quality deeper into games, you know, it, it sort of eliminates people that John doesn't want to use in high leverage situations where, you know, every single move is you got to think an inning ahead. It's very hard to write to, to do that all the time and do it to the to you know to the degree that they're trying to do it with to win all these baseball games. Abrius has been really good. Like I just to be able to repeat delivery, to be have balance with the sinker and the slurve. The the variance between the the velocity and the slurve is a big deal, right? He can throw some seventy nines that little slower, get me over. He can back foot to the the slurve that's harder at eighty three to the to the left handed hitter. He's throwing some change ups now with some sank. Like that's a big time pitch, right? That makes the mile per hour on the sinker to where he doesn't have to sit at ninety six to make it look. You know, 96, he can pitch with that with a little bit more movement because of the way the changeup's moving and the arm speed on that. And it's hard to tell the difference between those two pitches has been big for him. He's sort of now the bend but don't break pitcher, right? He'll have the second inning like he did last night to where base is loaded. Petey walks out there. He says whatever he needs to say to him. You know, you're one pitch away from only giving up one run instead of giving up like you would. Now, he's not saying this, but he's probably thinking it. Three or four runs like you would last year in the same situation. It's sort of the confidence that he's oozing is a big deal, right? That's about 90% of it. And then the other five, you know, you got 5% of locating, and then the other 5% is the movement and, and everything that goes in with executing what he needs to execute to to get out of big spots. So, yeah, he's been big too. He gave up a home run in his best pitch, the slurve, to open the second inning. Uh, bases loaded. 
gets a double play to get out of that situation. Double play followed by a ground out. Martin Maldonado. Mm. The third inning, Bo Bichette makes rare for him recently, a rare error. The next batter walks. You're sitting there thinking, okay, this was last year. Alec Bregman's coming up. This is Alex Bregman's coming up. This has got disaster written all over it. Mm-hmm. Alex Bregman hits into a double play, and then it's clear sailing from that point on for Jose Barrios. Uh, four hits, two walks, two strikeouts. Seventh quality start of the season. He's now allowed two earned runs. Sorry, two runs. There were less than six of his last seven starts. And this is, we aren't, uh, we're not going to talk playoffs. But in five starts at the Rogers Center this season, he's got a 237 ERA. Batters are hitting 214 off him. He's comfortable pitching on this mound. He is a starting pitcher that has a pronounced home field advantage here. And over his last 11 starts, he's 6-2. and two. He's got a 253 ERA. 1.14 uh, whip. But to me, the main thing is the innings, and we keep getting back to this. Mm-hmm. The innings, if your starting pitchers give you a lot of innings during the regular season and you go to the playoffs, it keeps your bullpen fresh. The other thing a lot of regular season innings do is it can disguise some of the weaknesses you may have in your bullpen by eliminating the need to use certain relievers in situations you'd rather not use them in. And I think that's one of the things we've seen right now is the strength of these three starting pitchers, Kevin, has really, it, it, it's given John Schneider, Pete Walker, and, and, and Don Mattingly multiple, multiple, multiple options. Absolutely. To put uh, games away. Also, when you bring in the, the arms that you want to bring in, in in key situations, allows you to overcome some bad base running like we saw last night. The, the Kirky base running, I mean, that's, there's no excuse for it. Like, it needs to be better. So, yeah, we'll yeah, talk. That's, yeah. that's exactly what it is, right? The, 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 the rotation going as deep as they're going allows John to do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it, which ma- makes everybody look good. This was uh, John Schneider's pregame availability today. The, uh, today. We have not... Cut it down. This is just the raw pregame availability. That's good. This is uh, Jay's manager, John Schneider, a few minutes ago. Uh, John, we talked to Ross about the decision to get day in, day pass. He said there's a lot of variables that went into that decision. What are some of the variables from your perspective? Uh, yeah, I think that goes for any baseball decision. Um, it's performance. I think it's just kind of overall um, flow of the team, other, other options in the roster and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think... You know what he said is kind of kind of nails it on the head, and a lot of it is performance uh, performance driven. How did that conversation go when you guys met with them? Any conversation like that is tough. Whenever you're given a player that kind of news, so um, kind of as to be expected, um, you know, deliver the news and kind of and kind of moved on. So everything that's been going on with him posting that Instagram video ten days ago, and then his comments yesterday. How did that play into this decision? I mean, it's a small part of it, I think, just because of the, you know, like like Ross said, I think there's different variables. It's, you know, distraction, yeah, part of it. But I think, you know, we're always trying to make our team better, um, whether, you know, it's on the field, you know, whatever whatever it is. I think that's it's there's different things that go into it and whether it's, you know, a little bit of a distraction and, and, and a little bit of performance. Obviously, right after the game, the Kiermaier's x-rays came back negative. Is there anything you want him today? 
No, same. He's feeling a little bit better than yesterday. Still a little bit sore when the adrenaline wore off, obviously. But kind of just considering him day to day, especially with the hitting part. And with Springer, is this just a scheduled off day? Yeah, we were trying to get him one. Didn't really want to get him off against his former team. Um, played a lot in a row, but I think today's a good day, and um, he'll probably factor in at some point throughout the course of the game. But just kind of a scheduled day off, yeah. John, how, is important, how important is it for you as the manager to keep cohesion amongst your players? So when you talk about distraction, can you, can you talk about how distracting a distraction can be for yeah, I think they come in all shapes and sizes over the course of the year, right? Whether we're playing good, playing bad. Um, but that's a big part of the job is making sure that guys are on the same page. And um, these guys do a really good job of just continuing to focus on winning, right? I think we have a lot of veteran guys that really preach that and live by that. And um, it's really important over 162. So, you know, these you know distractions happen and you, you deal with it. And I, th- I think we're in a good spot. That was John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. So, uh I see that tomorrow's starting pitcher is still TBA. Uh, and that could be uh, an opener. It could be Trevor Richards. could be Nate Pearson. could be Bowden Francis. All hands on deck. Uh, I think maybe a lot will depend because you say Kikuchi's pitching tonight. and A lot might depend on, on how much bullpen usage is necessary tonight. But uh, that is John Schneider. Uh, you heard him talking about uh, Kevin Kiermaier. He is not in the lineup. Uh, he is uh, still uh, dealing with... What is he dealing with, Kevin? I've got a got hit in the wrist. Here. Got hit in the wrist. And uh, George Springer scheduled day off. The Jays' lineup uh, is as follows. Bo Bichette leading off. Flatty Jr. hitting second. Brandon Belt at DH. Matt Chapman moves into the cleanup spot. He's in third base. Whit Merrifield in left, Dalton Varsho in center, Santi Espinal at second base, Kevin Biggio in right field, Tyler Heineman behind the plate, and as we mentioned, you say Kikuchi on the mound, Sonny Gray starting for the Minnesota Twins. Sonny Gray is really, 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 really good. Uh, and, of course, the Twins are a game under five hundred. good enough to be in last place in the AL East, good enough to lead the American League Central right now. And get a postseason why, spot. Quite frankly, these are teams that you got to get healthy against. Like offensively, the Twins are not good. Uh, they, they, this is, you say Kikuchi comes out and pounds the zone. Don't nibble. Stay away from a lot of three ball counts. Give this lineup a chance to run into some. Sonny Gray is going to be tough, right? It's the it's the sinker into righties. It's the sweeper away to righties. It's the elevated four seamer to lefties. It's the little slow get me over breaking ball to lefties. You got to zone up. I mean, we say this all the time, but this is what you do against the dude who is throwing some strikes. Now, he does give up some hard contact. He does not give up homers. He's only given up one homer. So you're thinking you've got to string together some hits. That's the point here, right? Lay off that close one. Force him in the zone. If you can do that, give him a chance to screw up. Basically is what I'm trying to tell you, right? If you don't chase early in account. Give him a chance to do that because your lineup's starting to get hot and there's a little bit more length to it. Now, the bottom of the order, Espinal, Biggio, Heinemann, eh, not sure what that's going to give you, but that just means the top of the order has to have better at-bats. Well, and if they like, can do that... It's not like you have any choice in the bottom of the order. If, if Kiermaier's not playing, you don't have, you any, don't, but, you don't have any choice um, with, the, with, with, with the, bottom, the bottom of the order. But clearly, you know, Bo and Vladdy, this would be a... This would be a good time for Vladdy to get going. I mean, we say that all the well, time. But stop saying. No Kiermaier, no, no Springer. This would be a uh, this would be a good night for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to get going. Again, 707 is the first pitch on Sportsnet 590, the fan at Sportsnet. We're going to take a break. 
When you come back, Casey Candell, manager of the Buffalo Bisons, the Jays AAA affiliate, joins us. David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson, former Miami Marlins president, will be along. We'll talk to David about a number of things. We'll talk to David about how organizations deal with off-field issues and crises, such as the Anthony Bass situation. And in particular, a story that emerged yesterday, the Canadian Revenue Agency is going after some former Blue Jays players uh, regarding uh, taxes. And, uh, well, uh, David Sampson was president of a baseball team in Canada and has uh, some, some knowledge of some of these issues I mean, the whole, there's always been this mystery about, Canadian, about professional athletes signing in Canada. How do they go about, how do teams go about uh, helping get rid of some of the tax burden for players? And uh, we'll talk to David Sampson about that. And as always, we'll go to the back leg line as well. 416-413-3959. It's Blair and Barker for Friday on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Blair and Barker for Friday. 7.07 first pitch tonight. The Minnesota Twins taking on the Toronto Blue Jays, the first of a three-game series. Lots of news around baseball. Chris Sale's gone in the 60-day IL. It's awful. For the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, you really, I mean, given all the work that dude's put in, whether yeah. or not you like the Red Sox or even whether or not you like Chris Sale, given all the work that dude's put not in. lack of effort. Uh, that's something. Pete Alonzo has gone on the IL. That's terrible. For getting hit yeah, by a pitch. Yeah. And uh, Jordan Alvarez, if you remember, left last night's game against the Blue Jays. He has gone on the IL with an oblique injury. Obliques are not good. Obliques are not good. And, and Dusty Dusty Baker, after the game last night in his post-game comments, would, made pretty clear that he thought it was a pretty significant injury. So, um, boy, you know, it, it's it, thinking about this. And we'll get, we have Casey. I'll get to Casey right away. But thinking about this, you know, the, the Mets are in a, the Mets are, in an awful state right now after yeah. getting swept by the by uh, by the the Braves. Atlanta Braves. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is down. The Houston Astros, Jose Abreu, that's just not working out for either side. Um, th- th- there are some teams that are going to be looking at doing something soon, I think. I, I know that uh, I believe it was John Mozeliak, the Cardinals GM, telling their reporters, because the Cardinals are in a similar situation, telling their reporters that, look, it's it's way too early right now for teams to start thinking seriously about trades, but man, there's some teams that were expected to do well that are really scuffling right now. And you really, really wonder if we might not see some, uh, some early, some early trade action. We'll talk to David Sampson about that at six o'clock, but right now it's our pleasure to bring in Casey Candell, manager of the triple a Buffalo Bisons. We mentioned that uh, Mitch White has joined the blue Jays, Anthony Bass, I'm sorry, Mitch White has been reinstated from the 60-day IL. Anthony Bass has been DFA. Danny Jansen is down with the Buffalo Bisons on a rehab assignment as well. Casey, thanks, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Always, always, yeah. al- always good to talk to you. Um, boy, there's a lot. I want. I also want to talk about the rules that uh, we've seen implemented in AAA, in particular the challenge system. Mm-hmm. But uh, just right. f- first and foremost, uh, Mitch White, how is he? How did he look to you? And 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 
where do you think he is in terms of needing to be where he can contribute to this team? Oh, I think he's, he's ready. I mean, uh, he he went through the process. I mean, he was here for a while and then kind of had a little setback and then came back and, and kind of locked in. His last outing was, you know, um, vintage Mitch White where he, you know, he threw his breaking ball over and, and um, his fastball was, you know, 93, 94. And, and so he did the things that he needed to do to look ready to, to head to the big league. So, you know, it's good to, it's good to get him back there and, and – I'm sure that he'll contribute in a in a good way. Casey, whenever you see that the big league team has a need, whatever that need would be offensively or on the pitching side, is, does your job change any? Like, do you hone in on one certain thing, one certain player more than you would if, if that wasn't the case? Um, no, I mean, you know, you just always, um, I mean, we always have to be aware of the guys that are on the 40 man and, their availability, most mostly pitching wise, um, to to go up and and um, be ready to pitch right away that day. So you know it's kind of a matter of you know you kind of stagger those guys and throwing them so they're not all throwing the same day. So um, you know when there's a need, they can they can go up and help at any particular time and any particular guy. Um, obviously, you you're asked um, usually you know who's been throwing well, who's who's been looking good, and kind of that's what the eye that you keep open and and who's been playing well and swinging the bat well kind of uh you know or the other questions that are asked and you just kind of give your your um output and your subjective opinion and kind of uh they look at the objective side and make a decision so what can you tell us about Bowden francis again we we aren't certain what role he will be used in saturday uh yeah. the jays haven't said anything but we he's obviously with the big league club what can you tell us about Bowden francis I- um, got a breaking ball that um, he could land for strikes, um, and um, his fastball has ticked up a little bit from last year. Um, he had a really successful winter ball season in Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, he's throwing like 92, 94 now. His breaking ball is around like the 72, 78 range at times. He kind of mixes it up with that um, and has uh, been working on a split. So uh, he has been here, and he's been throwing well And uh, his last two starts um he did a good job he was earlier sidelined with a little uh little issue i think um elbow 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 inflammation or something but he got that taken care of and is fine now and and i'm sure he's ready to go and excited case you think it would be a tough adjustment for him to say follow an opener or is he you know better suited just to start a game and go as far as he can um he's he was here and doing both so he he actually was following an opener and then he also started some games so he kind of got he got um both of those sides and you know however they uh are looking to use him he'll he'll have done both of those so what can you tell us about some of the bullpen arms at AAA? Because I think, you know, look, we, we've talked about this. I, I think the Blue Jays' bullpen, like a lot of teams' bullpens are can almost, once you get past three or four arms, they're kind of a work in progress, and there's always a chance right. that somebody's going to be needed at some point. What can you tell us about the, the, the bullpen depth at AAA? Because I think a lot of us look at the rotation, you know, the starting rotation, and wondered about whether or not there's enough depth in terms of starting rotation to triple a but there are some intriguing arms like zuletta and and and, and hagen danner i believe is there now as well what can you tell us about them uh yeah he just got here and so he's getting his feet wet here and and um you know he had a good outing last night um there's guys that have been here that have had kind of up and down um seasons but 
their stuff has played well. And, and it's usually, I mean, most of the guys, um, you know, Thomas Hatch, uh, young Hayden, younger, uh, you know, we've got, uh, we just got, um, and Zulueta has been kind of starting and, and, and um, relieving, but mostly relieving recently. Um, but all those guys have had times where they, they had some tough outings, but, you know, most of the outings have been pretty good and pretty solid. So, well, um, what is- you know, I mean, Sorry about that. Go Hatch ahead. Hatch has developed a nice. No, no Hatch has developed a really um, nice changeup, and that has been like kind of a game changer here for him so far. So it's been a good sign. Casey, whenever the organization calls, is there one specific thing they ask you about when it comes to pitching? Is it how's his location, how's his velocity, or is it you know how's it shape on his secondary pitches, or is it all of the above when they ask? Um, I mean, first of all, is is like is he going to is he going to go and throw the ball over the plate? So, oh. I mean, I think that's the most, most, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The most, um, you know, important. That's the most important thing. I think that's just kind of a, you know, somewhere where, where you go as, as that's the first thing. I mean, if he goes to the big leagues, it's a bigger stage. There's, um, you know, a lot more, uh, there's another level of uh, stands there. So it's like, Hey, how is he going to handle that? Will he be able to throw the ball over the plate? Is he one that commands the the strike zone and can he, throw it where he wants it. So, I mean, that's, that's the most important. And then it will go to stuff and how's the stuff been. And, and then basically kind of how his outings have gone in terms of position players. I mean, there are a couple of guys that we've kept our eye on. Obviously Otto Lopez is a guy that's familiar to a lot of people out here, but you know, Davis Schneider uh, and Spencer Horowitz, what can you tell us about, uh, about them? Davis, Davis Schneider in, in, in particular hitting 261. He's got an OPS of 903 with 12 home runs. And, uh, yeah. and and ten doubles. Yeah, he's got um, he's got some power in there, um, and and he's got a kind of a, a swing path that's conducive to to getting the ball in the right angle to get it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Which is um, you know he doesn't have to work on that, so that's uh, already there. He he is a tough out, and he hits the ball hard consistently. Um, it's really um, you know just kind of shaping up his defense, and and you know. He's been working to improve on playing different positions, and um, you know he's going to hit in the middle of our lineup. And he's been doing a good job. He's obvious, obviously, um, we do not hit a lot of home runs here, but he's mm-hmm. he's been a a real real pleasant surprise in that area. And you know he'll continue to do so, and I think he'll put up some really good numbers. And I'm... um, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, we're just asking about Spencer and, Horowitz as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah, Spencer Horowitz has been, you know, he's been moving now from first and he's played some out, outfield. Um, he's he's uh, really knows where the barrel of his bat is and is, is able to get it consistently to the to the uh, ball and hits the ball hard. Um, obviously, his power numbers right now aren't where he'd like them, but that's fine. He's He's doing a good job of, of um, swinging the bat, hitting doubles, and um, he's very, got a very good uh, command of the strike zone. I think he's he's pretty close um, with strikeouts and walks. You know, probably within ten. Like mm-hmm. you know, I think it's something like uh, maybe forty strikeouts and thirty-three walks, something like that. So that's you know that's something to look at where he's he has a really good um, idea of the strike zone, and when he puts the when he takes a swing, he he. Um, most of the time puts the barrel on the ball. So, I mean, those are two guys that are having very good um, offensive years, and, and I think they'll continue to do so. So, 
Casey, early in the season, I played in the International League, and, and I played some in Buffalo. It's, it's very cold, as you, as you well yeah. know, early in the season. How, how, do you, how do you look at offensive players early in the season in the International League? You don't. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I, I told – it's really like – honestly, it's, it's about surviving and putting trying just to put together good at-bats and, and get the barrel on the ball, and the ball is not going to carry. It's, it's miserable. Um, it's really a more of a test of, um, you know, it's more of a test to your mental ability to, to get through games and, and compete, really. So I think that's, that's the first thing that happens in the International League when you're new is you learn, learn how to compete in, harsh, in a harsh environment. And it's not, not the fans, but it's the weather. <laughs> so, so they learn that first. And then, um, you know, once, once it starts heating up, then you start looking at guys. And it, it, it really does make a difference, both the pitching and, and um, hitting. And, they, you know, it's been, I, I mean, obviously it's, it's uh, you know, you have to have a strong mental approach to get through that. But, but the guys that do and the guys that hold on and, and stay above water during that time are usually, you know, end up having really good seasons when it warms up. In conversation with Buffalo Bison's manager, Casey Candell, how do you like the uh, rules in place mm-hmm. so far in terms of the challenge system for balls and strikes and also the, the automatic uh, balls and strikes system? And I understand AAA, they're, yeah, the auto- they're, they're using them. Do you, which ones do you like better? Which of the two do you like better? Um, a challenge. Really? Okay. Just because, yeah, just because um, – the games have gotten to three and three and a half hours again now when it's uh, the automatic, when it's ABS. Really? Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so the games are now, you put the clock in to speed games up, and then the ABS system has slowed them down again because, um, uh, you know, I think it's the, the top of the strike zone seems to be a little different, that they, they have okay. done something to the uh, – to the the box. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they moved it back or whatever, but the strike at the top of the zone is not being called with the ABS, and therefore pitchers that have been taught the very last uh, five or six years to pitch up in the zone with their fastball are throwing balls, and they're having to come down, and balls are getting hit, and and they're walking more people, and and so it's 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 kind of uh, and, it, and it seems that way with just about every um, pitching staff that we've kind of come across and um, the challenge system. I think to, to me, it has, um, you know, really made umpires focus on balls and strikes because they don't like being challenged and that's understandable. And so I think they're, they're focused, not that they haven't focused in the past, but they're, you know, it's, it's uh, just a, you know, kind of a system that, that kind of makes everybody focus on what's happening. And, you know, when there is a challenge, it's, you know, they're usually the pit, usually the pitches are pretty close, you know, whether it's a ball or a strike. So, you know, it seems to, uh, seems to, um, and, it, and the games move along faster um, because there's not as much, uh, there's not as many balls thrown. What's the strategy involved in that? Like, great question. In, in terms of who gets to call, for for it or not, because like if if I'm at the plate and I'm chap, I'm, and it's a second <laughs> inning, you probably don't want me using all your challenges, do you? Well, that's what happens because you can't stop them, and they can only tell. What well, our deal is like we don't we don't let pitchers challenge because um, 
Tra- pitchers that have challenged balls and strikes have been wrong 100% of the time so far. <laughs> <laughs> That's you're telling you're telling us something there about pitchers, Casey. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm just, I, I, I'm not. I don't know if it's everywhere, but here, that's what it said. Uh, so there, but, um, no, sorry, go ahead. Because the, it's just because the catcher's closer to the strike zone. Right. But the hitters, do you, do you tell certain hitters before the game, you can use a challenge, you can't use a challenge, or how, how does that work? Um, well, no, I, I've, I've, uh, I've already designated a couple guys because they're like 0 for 5 in their challenges, so they're no longer able to use them. So... Uh, because they're wasting our challenges, so <laughs> performance-driven, man. You, yes, you do get you do get on probation with challenges here. So uh, <laughs> that's what we do. That's great, Casey. Yeah. Listen, man, yeah. we re- we really appreciate that's your wonderful. time. Thanks so much, man. Be that, well. That's awesome. You got it. Take care. Thanks a lot. All right. <laughs> Take care. That's Casey. Kendall. That's great. So there we know. Yeah. Don't ever ask pitchers about balls and strikes. I've been telling you forever. I know you have. Yeah, they're blind. <laughs> that's awesome. I. But I wondered, right? Because, like, you know, hey, it's if I'm Jeff Blair, I'm 25 years old, and I want to get to AAA, and I or I want to get to the majors, and I think I've been squeezed. Yeah, frankly, I'm looking the dugout. I don't really care about Kevin Barker. I mean, this is about me getting up there. But sure. there you go, pitchers. You got wrong 100 percent of the time. Yeah, and if you're an offensive player, you got a couple of times of getting that thing wrong. And you don't get but a chance anymore. It makes sense, right? Uh, maybe. Like you got to know your players. You got to know which guy knows the strike zone, which guy doesn't know the strike zone. Now, then you get into a situation of your team like the Blue Jays, where you know Kevin Biggio's got a pretty good eye. Sure, but do you want Kevin Biggio using the system, or you want Bo using it? Anyhow, no. it's it's good fun. We appreciate Casey joining us this pretty time. Cool. It's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game, Mister Mark Boffo. Please. All right, so we got Twins and Jays down at Rogers Center tonight. Sonny Gray, nice little season, 4-1, 215 ERA. How will he do tonight against the Blue Jays, guys? We're looking at the odds for total outs recorded by Sonny Gray tonight against Toronto. Over, under is 16 and a half outs. How do you see this one going? I'm taking the over, man. No Kiermaier, no Springer. I'm taking the over. That's that's easy. Yeah, I'm going to take the under. I got. I think it's he. His last six starts, he's only done six innings or more twice. I think he empties the tank early in the game. Like he gets after dudes with all of them. Like if he if he you know if he's right handed, he's getting all my pitches. He's left handed, he's getting all my pitches. Sometimes the pitch count will go a little higher. You know, he'll try and th- overthrow. Sometimes I don't think he'll go that many innings. I mean, he'll he'll go maybe five. All I right. just don't think he'll go six or more than six. I got so I'm going to go the under. All right. I got something else I'm going to drop in here. Now, we know that Vladdy hasn't hit a home run at Roger Sandy this year. Did you know that? I've heard 107 yeah. at bets. <clears throat> Vladdy hasn't hit a home run at the Roger Sandy this year. Sonny Gray has allowed one home run all season long. So, do you think, you know where I'm going with this, Vladdy mm-hmm. is plus 330 to hit a home run tonight. What do you think? I, I'm I'm going to say no. I, I, Vladdy's kryptonite is sinker in, sweeper away. What is the best two pitches that Sonny Gray throws to righties? A sinker in, a sweeper away. So I'm going to say no to that. Do you know the last time Sonny Gray, or do you know the, when Sonny Gray gave up that home run? His last outing. His last outing. 
I'm going Vladdy plus three. three. Wow. I'm going to make me some money tonight. I got wow. a feeling. I got a feeling. Huh. I got a feeling about Vladdy tonight. You know my feelings. What, what did I tell you? I mean, I've been dead well, on the great. last two Astros games. I said that they were going to win. And I wasn't that far out. I think 4-3 was the score in one game. And mm. I wasn't that far out. Okay. So. That was Between the Lines brought to you by, by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. I'm still laughing thinking about... Uh, Challenge probation. Yeah, I wonder AAA. if he throws his hands in the air if, if a hitter gets it wrong. Like you know, you're the manager and you're over there and he and he, you know, he's missed say the game before he did it and he was a hundred percent sure don't, and it wasn't right and he missed it. Don't you find that interesting though, about the ABS system actually prolonging games? That's the elevated fastball. And 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 what did we I keep thinking back to that conversation we had with Morgan Sword, right? About the strike zone, and that was one of the issues. We keep getting back to this. The mm-hmm. box you see on the TV is not the strike zone that major league umpires use. East and west it is. North and south. North it's and not. south it is. And it's That's not completely east and west. We know it's a little more of that oval shape. We laugh at it, but it's an oval shape. Yeah. Well. Anyhow, so that, there you go, ABS. That's actually pretty. I had not heard anybody put it in those terms before and say that the ABS system was actually dragging games out. Three and a half hours. And that's the case. Three, three and a half hours? Well, it's freezing there. Oh, my that's, God. That, that's why I brought up the weather. Three and a half hours worth of baseball. I don't want that anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm used to it. I like my, two, I like my 237. Yeah. Exactly. David Sampson is host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. He's a former Marlins president. Lots to talk to David about Luis Arias. We'll talk about crisis management. We'll talk about taxes in Canada. All sorts of good stuff. That plus the back leg line. It is Blair and Barker for Friday. On Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Blair and Barger. The back leg line, she be open. The number is 416-413-3959. Your chance to leave questions, comments, criticisms for mm-hmm. Kevin Barker. We'll get to it be at nice today. It's Friday. 630. Yes, be nice. Yeah, it's yeah, Friday. Yeah. 707 is the first pitch tonight as the Twins open a three-game series. Or the Jays open a three-game series against the Twins. I guess we should lead with the Jays. Uh, if you're going down to the ballpark tonight, enjoy the Pride festivities. Indeed, enjoy the Pride festivities all weekend. Long uh, reminder, the Jays' lineup tonight is Bichette, Springer, Belt, Chapman, hmm? Merrifield, Varsho. You, you said Springer. I'm sorry, Bichette, Guerrero, Belt, Chapman, Merrifield, Varsho, Espinal, right Biggio, Heineman. Yeah, it really does. Uh, no George Springer in the lineup after uh, playing just too much. Playing too much. <laughs> Scheduled that, day off. No Kevin Kiermaier after being hit by I pitches. Shouldn't have that that. I, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, we mentioned to say Kikuchi on the mound for the Blue Jays. Sonny Gray for the Minnesota mm-hmm. Twins. Sonny Gray, who doesn't get much love from a lot of people, and his numbers are really No undershirt good. either, which is pretty huh? cool. No undershirt. He won't be wearing one. He'll have that top button or maybe two or three of them. The taco meat show? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Letting it eat with the sinker and the big curveball mm. and the sweeper. Mm, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, again, it's a three-game series between the uh, Jays and the Twins. We don't have – I'm still scouring through social media. I've not seen any starting pitcher announced for tomorrow. It's entirely possible the Jays will wait until – Yeah, they're in no hurry. <laughs> exactly. Let's see what you say. I'm Kikuchi. sure the player knows. Let's see what. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure, sure they do. Let's yeah. see what you say. Kikuchi has in store. Uh-huh. Uh, lots to get to with our next guest. He is one of our favorites. He is David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson, former president of the Miami Marlins or then Florida Marlins and Montreal Expos. David, thank you so much for joining Kevin and myself. As I said, we have got a lot of stuff to get to with you, but. First thing, I uh, just before you came on, I just noticed that um, Billy Epler gave Buck Showalter and his coaching staff a vote of confidence. You can go get them. Go get them, boys. Uh, <laughs> no indication yet as to whether the owner has given Billy Epler a vote of confidence. But Ooh. look, that series against Atlanta, three losses in a row, losing games the way they did. Um, like, I don't know Steve Cohen, but I guarantee you that he didn't spend that much money to see his team where it is right now. Um, where do you, where do you see this going? Well, there's certainly not going to be a seller at the trade deadline, even if they should be because Steve Cohen won't allow that. And his level of frustration is obviously very high right now. He's a new owner and he has seen a team that is underperforming his expectations but it's possible the team just isn't that good. It's possible that Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander are over the hill and not worth $43 million. It's possible they lost their closer in a World Baseball Classic celebration and without replacing him that their bullpen was going to be stretched and not as good. And it's possible their lineup was going to do what it did last year, which is not be all that good. So I'm just wondering what the level of delusion was going into the season. And so assuming that it was high, when you have a series like they just had against Atlanta, you have two choices. You can stay quiet or go with the vote of confidence. And both of them mean nothing in terms of job security for either Buck or Billy. It's something that you do to try to keep the clubhouse calm, but it really is not that meaningful. We gave vote of confidences all the time and then fired the manager. Yeah, uh, and of course, the the old running joke is as soon as someone gets a vote of confidence, that basically, you know, you're, we've put you on the plank, and here we're just starting to poke, give you a little poke in the back and, and walk towards the end of it. Were the, do you think maybe, were the Mets trying to tell us something in hindsight now when they tried to get, you know, they tried to get Carlos Correa? I mean, I think a lot of us looked at that and thought, ah, this is just overkill. But I'm wondering if maybe they weren't a little... They weren't a little – they didn't realize they were a little weaker than we than we did. Well, remember, when they signed Correa, Steve Cohn's comment was, this was the piece to put us over the top. Mm-hmm. So when he said that, that would indicate to me that if you don't get him, that means you don't have enough to be over the top. Right. Of course, I may be being too rational, but that's how I would interpret that. But I said at the time, and I still maintain that his payroll was so high with Correa that there were a lot of unhappy people within Major League Baseball and amongst the owners. And so him not signing Correa was not surprising to me, just as I don't know how much he's going to add at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Because their, their number is simply so high, it's not even close to the Yankees, who are the second highest payroll in baseball. And that sort of difference is what baseball is trying to address right now with its economic reform committee. And as they head into this next stretch of labor peace 
meaning they're getting ready for another labor war, the biggest issue is the economic disparity between the higher and the lower payrolls. And it's manifesting with what the Mets are doing and what the A's are doing. And when you have two teams at such extremes, that's not healthy. David, you ever sit around and, and look for excuses to fire a manager? Say Pete Alonzo, who's got 22 big ones, everybody else is not hitting. Would that be a good excuse that you could come out and say, well, or give you a good excuse to maybe adjust and go a different direction, even if your owner has spent a ton of money? Could you use that injury? You know, we don't know how Pete is, how long he's going to be out, but you could use that as an excuse. You're three games under 500, right? The Phillies haven't gotten off to a greatest of starts. You shouldn't be three games under 500. Maybe you use that injury as an excuse to make a change. You ever did that? That's a very funny question because we always would look for an excuse to do something that we knew we were going to do. We knew we were going to fire a manager. We'd say, hey, let's wait for the team to lose a game and then do it. And yeah. I always would say to our owner, what's the difference? Coming off a loss, coming off a win. It, it, it's like having a clubhouse meeting when you're about to face the best pitcher in baseball. You never do that. You have a clubhouse meeting when you're about to face the worst pitcher on the worst team because then you hope your team can win and then you can think that you're going to get momentum from the clubhouse meeting. It's all fun and games. It's all mind games. And you really don't need an excuse if you're Steve Cohn, if you want to fire the hitting coach, fire the manager, fire the general manager. I, for one, have always thought about the Mets. The Billy Epler is not the end game for who's going to run the Mets organization. He has no president right now of his team, business or baseball. And I think it's impacted, right? And, and you're seeing it with the performance on the field and off. So I think changes will come because I don't think the Mets are going to recover. I don't think they're good enough. Now, they may catch the Marlins because the Marlins have been, had a pretty easy schedule and they get a tough schedule here coming up in July or August. But uh, I just don't think the Mets are good enough to be a true contender. Dave, what would you want to come from firing, say, a Buck Showalter. He's been around forever, right? He's had success at the big league level. There has to be an end game there, right? It's just not you're going to do it because you're mad, right? You're three games under 500. i I'm the richest dude ever. Or is that the reason why you're doing it? Well, it's funny you're saying that too because when you're firing your manager, you're trying to make a change that will somehow excuse the decisions you've made on players. What you're saying is we have the right players but the wrong voice. The problem is if you fire the manager, bring in a new manager, and it turned out that it was the players and not the manager, then you're going to be the same team. And then you have no choice but to retool your team, which is hard to do when you're overpaying so many players. I don't think the Mets will fire Buck Showalter. He hasn't been there long enough to get fired, but that comes, as you know, with Showalter, right? He is very, very controlling and wants things done a certain way. And it's unclear how that meshes with either Billy Epler or Steve Cohn. We really don't know unless you're inside that office, how that relationship is. But I don't think three months of underperformance would lead to a firing of Showalter because that would be an admission by Steve Cohn of a very large mistake. And I don't think he's willing to admit that quite yet. David, the uh, Blue Jays DFA'd Anthony Bass uh, about four hours ago after um, he... Of course, he liked uh, an Instagram account with some uh, you know, hateful messages uh, directed at the LGBTQ2 plus community. Um, and then, I mean, things just got out of control. Somebody, 
we we still don't really know how the notion of Anthony Bass catching the ceremonial first pitch came about. We're led to believe it was something the team didn't have anything to do with, that it was something that Pride Toronto uh, came up with um, along with Anthony. I, what I wanted to ask you about, though, for, for for management and ownership, is there a is there is I don't think there's a one size fit all one size fits all plan for crisis management, but you do have to generally get ahead of stuff, don't you? Isn't that sort of the golden rule? It's hard. It's hard. So here's what happened: Anthony Bass is not a good enough player to withstand what happened. And yet the Blue Jays tried. They only designated him after he doubled down with those statements that he just made mm-hmm. yesterday about not regretting it. But yet I, I love all people and all groups and everyone should come to the ballpark. However, I don't regret what I said, or I still believe what I believe. The Blue Jays had no choice. I actually said on nothing personal that he was going to get designated when this first happened because there was no way the juice was worth the squeeze for the Blue Jays. When you're trying to make the playoffs a distraction from Anthony Bass, that's what I would say to to our owner. I would say if it's a distraction from Pudge or from Miguel Cabrera at his peak, you're going to deal. Hanley Ramirez, great example. Mm -hmm. He was a huge distraction for us. We didn't designate him. We just dealt with it because he was too good. But when a bench guy like a Jeff Baker is a distraction, you designate him immediately. So I hate to say it, but it is about treating players differently according to their skill. And the problem is the clubhouse knows it, and then the player knows it, and that can lead to players going off the rails. If they're good players and not cooperative, and they know there's no consequence to their action, it's hard to teach them to act better. And that's when trades come. Because if you're at the end of your rope and you don't know what to do, you just trade the player. But with Anthony Bass, are you kidding me, guys? He should have been designated the minute it happened. There was no reason to try to rehabilitate it because he wasn't sorry because that's who he is. David, yeah, David does it matter what his teammates are saying to the front office? So we would, we would talk to the players, but only for confirmation bias. So when we would talk to our players, we would want them to agree with what we were going to do. And if they didn't, we would still do it and try to explain why we were doing it. The only time we didn't do this is when Jeffrey fired Joe Girardi Mm -hmm. in the middle of the season in 2006, basically in the middle of the game. And we went to the clubhouse to tell the players and the players basically had a mutiny. And we went to Jeffrey and said, we need to consider not firing him today. We can do it at the end of the year, but we've got players here who may stage a walkout. We have a young team. We had just torn it down after we didn't make the playoffs in 04 and 05. And that's the only example I can think of where a player mutiny impacted us. But there were so many other examples where we just disciplined the way we wanted to and then tried to get the players to buy in, knowing that there's certain leaders in your clubhouse that you go to to get that buy-in and let them spread it to the rest of the clubhouse. Now, David, I, as, as I mentioned in a previous, I was going to say a previous life, but previously you were uh, president of the uh, the Montreal, same life, previously president, <laughs> before you were a reality TV star, president of the Montreal Expos. Um, uh, and and I, I wanted to ask you about this story that uh, the National Post uh, reported earlier this week. Frankly, it's way too complicated for me to boil it down, mm-hmm. but, but essentially... 
uh, three former Blue Jays players, jo- uh, Josh Donaldson, Jose Batista, and, and Russell Martin, uh, are involved in a legal battle with the Canadian Revenue Agency over how much of their income they were able to deduct through contributions to what is called a retirement compensation to their retirement compensation agreements, which is basically it's a deferral of tax payments, but it doesn't come with the same limits as the RRSP, which is our you know our version of registered retirement same savings plans, and that apparently this is something that professional athletes use in Canada. It's a way around some, not a way around, but it's a way of mitigating some of the impact of Canadian tax laws. Um, you know, I, I don't know why these three three players are being chosen. I presume other players have done, have used the same thing. But just, you know, we've, we've, it's funny because we've talked to agents who've said, and big name agents have said, look, the whole thing about taxes in Canada We've always got a way around it. Like, we can figure out a way around it. How much of an issue is that to players, uh, for players and ownership? And is it that easy to, quote, unquote, get around Canadian tax rates? No, it took us years. We had entities, when, when Jeffrey bought into the Expos from Claude Brochu and became the general partner of the Expos, it had to be a Canadian company. And unwinding that Canadian company when it moved to Florida and then when the team was eventually sold to Bruce Sherman and Derek Jeter, we were dealing with the Canadian Revenue Agency. It was a nightmare because they are trying to capture as much tax as possible. And what everybody's trying to do is get deductions both in America for the taxes you pay in Canada and you pay as little taxes in Canada as possible because the fact is your net tax rate when you are paying Canadian taxes is higher. And so what players try to do, in two ways, they fix this. One is with tax equalization payments. So when you're trying to sign a free agent, you can put a provision in that we are going to pay you X dollars more in salary, and that will make up for the difference between what you would have paid if you signed with the Marlins, where there's no state tax, versus signing with the Blue Jays, where there is tax. We had to do tax equalization payments in free agents we signed in Florida in case we ever traded them to Toronto Mm, because then they'd be paying more tax than they expected. And so part of their contract had tax equalization payments. Carlos Delgado, one of the former Blue Jays, had a provision in his deal when he was traded to New York by us. He got a raise to cover the difference in New York state tax versus Florida state tax. What's happening in Canada It doesn't impact players when they decide where to sign. But everybody's aggressive about trying to pay as little taxes as possible. That's what all players do and all people in business. That's why IRS uh, lawyers exist. Tax lawyers exist to not pay taxes. And what the CRA does is they try to stop people from driving through different loopholes. The loophole that's happening today that you're describing is the concept that what players were saying is that we have the right to put more money into our retirement plan than is allowed under Canadian law because we don't work until retirement. We're players. We only work till we're 35 or 40. So we want to save as much as possible because our retirement is going to start at 40 and not 65. So we want to save more than what you allow. That's really the fight that's happening right now. 
that's uh, yeah, that that's that's interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it I, you know, and I mean, I don't want to get in the legal weeds here, but you would think, wouldn't you, that um, before that's done, you would players or their agents or somebody would have checked and said, hey, is this is this okay, or does this maybe? I mean, we know the IRS and the CRA, uh, or I should say the CRA. I mean, there are times where they just basically decide to go after a certain group, right? I mean, they just do. Correct. It's I, an audit. They're testing. Exactly. They're testing, right? This is what people do. You go right to the edge and you see if you're going to get an audit, and then you see if you can settle it or see if there's going to be some sort of ruling that will be to your benefit, or you end up potentially paying penalty and interest, and that's the risk that you take and you're told about that risk by your tax attorney. This is all pretty standard stuff. People, people being aggressive. Some people, I'm sure you talk about this at dinner parties or maybe that's just me, but some people are aggressive and some people are conservative when it comes to tax planning. I've always been conservative because I don't want to bother with the CRA or with the IRS. So I I don't deduct things that I could because I don't want to even think about it. But players are being more aggressive because their numbers are so much bigger than our numbers that it's millions and millions of dollars. And and do players still have to file individual uh, or, or account for individual yes. taxes depending on the states they've played in? Like, in other words, if I'm Jeff Blair and I'm playing for the Marlins, but I've played – I had to play five games in Texas – do I have to account for that and, and file separate income tax uh, papers to different, yes, you're different filing states? In every, yes, you're filing in every state. And one of, the, one of the interesting things that comes up, and if we're getting too technical, just hang up on me. There are players who say that I spend a month in Florida for spring training. Therefore, one of my seven months of work is in Florida, so I, there's no state tax for that month. But players only get paid from April to October. Right. They only get paid during the regular season. So in theory, that's not allowed. But sometimes you get away with it. Sometimes you don't. But yes, players pay tax wherever the games are. So here's one little nugget for you. The new schedule, which is now balanced instead of unbalanced, that means that teams and players are playing in more cities than they ever did. So take the Marlins. They're playing three more games in California against the Angels than they ever did, and they're doing it every year. So people in Florida are paying – players are paying more taxes by playing in states with state tax more than they were before. Wow. Crazy, right? Yeah, it is. It absolutely it's is. not cool. <laughs> wow. Well, if you're a player, I mean, listen, it's not. The players keep track, right? So when yeah. we're signing a free agent, we do tax planning with the agent – and we show what the tax benefit is of being a Marlin. But when we were with Montreal looking for free agents, when we signed our first free agent, Jeff, you'll remember this, Graham Lloyd. Yep. We gave him $3 million a year for three years as an eighth-inning setup guy, totally changing the market for setup guys, yes. getting yelled at by Bud Selig. And we had to sit with Graham Lloyd and his agents and go through why we had to pay him more because he was coming to Montreal where he'd be paying more tax. So this has been going on for 20 years. David, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Terrific insight as always, my friend. Have a great weekend. That's awesome. Thank you. Sorry, too technical. No, that that was was great. great. That was was great, great. man. Be well. Thank you. Thanks. It's David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. And and, uh, and that's why, you know, 
we used to always talk about there was a premium to signing free agents in Toronto. And, and one of the reasons, I, I keep telling people this, Russ Martin, one of the reasons they had to give him an extra year, yep. one of the reasons was to make up for that. Um, and and think this will scare future players off? If they, I, if they see if they see those three names no. go through what they're going through now, you think it'd scare them off? No, I because I think that you, I, I mean I'm they'll sh- go to the highest bidder. Uh, I'm, but- I'm sure. Listen, I, I'm sure Scott Boris is well aware of what's going on, and I'm sure he'd be able to he'd be able to figure this out. And this this whole thing again is it's like anything. I, I, like I said, I mean, they're different. Um, there are different times where different different groups of people are targeted by the IRS and the CRA. I mean, I I can remember one year. All of a sudden, I had to start when I was covering the expos. I had to start, you know, filing different stuff, different state taxes for freelance that I was making. Mm. I mean, it's just the way it was because they were quote unquote coming after you. Um, and and yeah, it's uh, it, it's just the way it is. I don't. I'm sure it would make it'll make it'll be another level of complication in signing a free agent. That level already exists. I think that teams will be able to figure out a way around this. Again, this seems to be largely aimed at a certain type of retirement plan. Does seem like it. But there is a little bit of that. Why would I go through that if I don't have to go through that? Sort of that, right? It's the the whole thing. It's the whole thing. You know what? It's like going through customs has never been a big deal for me. But you know what? It's one of those things players used to bring up. They'd say, hey, Lining up to show my passport isn't a big deal. You're right. It's not the hardest thing I have to do in my life. But why, do I, why would I want to do it if I didn't have to do there it? There you go, yeah. This gets back to Bo Bichette said when he signed his long-term contract this spring. I probably, yeah, if I went year to year, I could probably make mine. But you know what? This removes a distraction and an impediment, and everybody likes to have the fewest number of distractions and impediments they have in their life and their career, and it's right. It's right. But uh, like I said, I'm sure there are folks right now figuring out, okay, they're going to do this. Mm-hmm. How can we go around? How can, how, can we go about, how can we go about doing this? But it is funny because for the longest time, Canadian taxes was an issue. <clears throat> then you stopped hearing about it, and now you're hearing about it again. So... Maybe there's a little more to it than that. 416-413-3959 is the back leg line. Your chance to leave questions, comments, criticisms, witticisms for Kevin Barker. We will get to the back leg line in a few minutes. It's Blair and Barker for Friday on Sportsnet 590, the fan at Sportsnet. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That was uh, the call of the uh, Ozzie Albies home run last night as the Braves beat the New York Mets. That was the game where Tom Glavin, Chipper Jones, Jeff Frankur, and John Smoltz 
Cooper in the booth. That was Smoltzy. Warm up the buses. <laughs> huh. Oh, my God. Uh, the Mets. Oh, the Mets. And Buck Showalter. Oh, 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 oh. It makes me so, so happy to watch Buck Showalter's team scuff. Yeah. Yeah. I wish Pete Alonzo was, wasn't hurt. That, yeah. that, that's the one thing. Yeah, He's I really the one don't guy. care. You don't? No, that's I just rude. like it. Well, no, that's it's rude. It's, it's, you know, you can not like the manager, Buck but Show the players, Walter, you know, Buck's, like Buck's you know, probably like going to have to. I'm sure Buck's going to rewrite the rules so that if you finish in fourth place, you automatically advance <laughs> to the playoffs or something. Well, the National League stinks. The old line. The so old you gotta, line. You got a decent chance of getting it. Even three games under 500. It's the old line. If Buck Showalter knew his team would be this bad, he'd never have invented the game of baseball. The back leg line is 416-41. No, because then I'd have to f- confront him, and I'm too much of a coward to do that. 416-4. Plus, he doesn't know who the hell I am. So what? 416-413-3959 is the ba- the. At least you're honest. The back leg. Well, of course I am. <laughs> of course I am. Oh, boy. Of course I am. I just want, I, you know, I want to get. It's all in fun. I want to get to. You don't it. mean it. Yeah. 416-413-3959 is the back leg line. Rosemary in Ottawa, she called up, and one of our highly skilled and intelligent operators answered the call. Nice. And once we corrected Rosemary and told her she actually lived in Oshawa, not Ottawa, this is what she said. I'm just wondering, do you think adding five seconds to the pitch clock would be beneficial for a few of the uh, pitchers, such as Manoa, and I can't remember his name, but he was um, just there with the Houston Astros. Uh, I'm sure there's other pitchers that maybe feel the same way. Okay, thank you, and you guys are doing a great job. Oh, thank you, thank you, Rosemary. That's a by the way, that's a great name. It is Rosemary. No, Rosemary is a combination of two of my favorite names. I mean, it's a great question. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. It is. You're laughing at me. It is. What would an extra five seconds do? I don't know. Make the quality of the stuff better. Because I mean, that's the ultimate goal here, right? Is you no, want to see no, the, the best ul- out of that pitcher, not the quickest games. No, no, no. The ultimate. No, say. no, no. The ultimate. Yeah, that's irrelevant. The ultimate goal is you want quicker games. With all due respect, okay. that's why we're doing it. Oh, okay. We're not doing it because okay, we want she's better stuff. Talking about performance. This yeah. is performance driven. If you added five seconds, no, I don't. I. What, what would that do? Well, like, I mean, it would give it would give Alec Manoa extra time to hump and flump around on the mound and get back up there. I don't even know what that is. Well, you know, <laughs> like that, you know, what? and then go up in the mountain. What is that? It's like, you know, boy, give him an extra five seconds. Uh, there was some talk, wasn't there, about possibly in the postseason extending, making the pitch clock, oh, which on. would be dumb. That would it's, be it's, dumb. Listen, really? It is. Who said that? Uh, they've been talking about it. Who? It was talked about when the rule came out that they made they be, that because the issue you don't want games ending with timer violations in the postseason that they may they may add oh. time on. It is it's it's great the way it is now. It I is. love the pitch timer. Yeah, I again I think back three or four years ago didn't but really want to hear it. Most of the time you don't even know it's there. But yeah, I'm Do with you. you. I no and and. I mean, I, I, I'll, one thing I've not done this year is after two hours and 37 minutes, God, God you know what I really would have liked is an extra 16 minutes. I've never done that. 
I've never said, ah, another extra 16 you minutes would have been great. warm glass of milk and that chocolate chip cookie 16 minutes earlier. Yes. Get in the QEW before they get those orange traffic cones Holy down, baby. Lord. That's all Honking I care at about. You and get out of the way. And By the way, I decided this is, I guess I could tell this story now because I'm. I, I decided one year, I was real, I was in a bad mood, this is to surprise you. And I was driving back, covering a game in Detroit, and I was driving back to Windsor. We're staying overnight in Windsor. And um, it was a rental car. Mm. This is a long time ago, so it doesn't matter. It was a rental car, and those orange cones were there. And one of the things I've often wondered is what happens when you hit one of those, true story, what happens when you hit one of those orange cones? What happens? Well, I don't know about the ones in Canada, but the ones in Detroit don't move. So I peeled (laughs) off the side mirror of my rental car, and it was dangling Uh, down. How much that cost you? It, well, when I returned the car, I, I, I you know, I, 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 the next morning I get up and I return the car and, and it's, it's Detroit. I don't know. It was parked outside. Then I come out. The next thing I know, that's, it's broken. And they didn't say anything about it. But they I just didn't. wanted, so as Drop it off a, the airport. They don't a, pay a reminder, I, I so see I've those heard. things. I see those things tipped over all the time on the road. And I, every now and then I'm like, yeah, just should I? And then I think, no. Because you never know. It's like an iceberg, right? You never know what's underneath Sometimes it. you got to learn the hard way. Sometimes yep. you got to learn the hard way. So don't hit the orange Well, the skinny ones anyway. Cones. Brett in Lloydminster, Saskatchewan. What do you think about uh, Dalton Varsho's uh, upside at the plate in the future? Uh, mm. I know we got him for a few years here. It's, a, it's an okay trade. I'm okay with it. But uh, just wondering what you guys think, like, what he might mature to as a hitter. Like, do you think he's ever going to be, like, a, a real cleanup hitter, as they say? Or, I don't know. I just, I'm not I'm not too sure. And uh, the comment is, uh, I kind of think that 2021 might have been the Blue Jays' best chance to win a World Series. Uh, just seemed like they really had it going on that year. And I don't know. The AL East looks tough coming up. And, uh they, they missed the playoffs by one game, and I think about that Marcus Simeon throwing air way too often to lose the game. So uh, <laughs> that's just me, but, uh, yeah, love to hear your comments, guys. Love the show, and, uh, yeah, thanks. It's remarkable you said that because I wrote at the time that I don't know if I've ever seen a situation as clear-cut. Like that cost, that throw, remember that, to, to routine throw, two out. Marcus Simeon's got the ball, throwing to first yeah, base, game camp. over. I'm, I'm in the camp. I'm in ball the camp. That, I'm in the camp. You should have, Vladdy should have called it. But that's me. Uh, he asked about Dalton Varsho. Yes. Let me ask you a question. Yes. He mentioned cleanup, which is very interesting. Me personally, I, I don't think he's a cleanup. I, I don't. I don't either. I, I think that is a, you know, it's okay for you to go two for ten with a homer and three RBIs. I'm not sure he's there yet, right? I think mentally he needs to be able to string together some some good at-bats. Good at-bats means, you know, he needs positivity coming out of those at-bats, and that means success. So I'm not sure the cleanup thing. Is he a 30-30 guy? 30 homers, 30 stolen bases. I mean, I... That... I mean, I think he... I don't know. Not this year. Could he hit 30? No, no, no. I'm talking about this year. Growing into it. Uh, here, here's 30-30. Here, nah, I don't know. No, I'm going to say no. So, he, I, so that's why, why, but, I'm, why but, I'm asking but this. Here, here's the way I would look at it. Is two years from now, could he hit second? 
two years from well, yes, but I'll also say this: two years from now, is he going to be a better hitter than Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? The answer is yes. He'll hit more uh, he's going to hit more home runs. Hitters, that might be strong. Uh, is he? Because Lourdes can hit 300. The combination of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno, are we going to regret at some point that they're not here? Uh, maybe Moreno. I, I still maintain that Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s present doesn't, presence doesn't make this team. I think you're right. A winning team. No, no. And I also say this. I've seen enough of Dalton Varsho defensively. I've seen enough the way he yeah, runs in the Lourdes. base pass. He... he it's a, to me, it's a net gain. Lourdes can't right go now. from left to center. Not either. a chance. That's <laughs> not a to chance. To me, it's a net game mm-hmm. for what what this team needs now. Dalton Varsho fits the bill better you. than Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Put him in a six-hole leave him there. Exactly. For 590 at And bats. I'll tell you the other thing I'll say about Dalton Varsho. I think on a really good team, he is a really good player on a really good team. Glennon Oshawa. Yeah, I'm probably going to sound like a grumpy old man. There's only room for one grumpy old man in this show. But I love the Blue Jays. Tell me, after Belt got pushed back, after Kiermaier got dinged, Valdez doesn't look like he's even upset about it. Should the next, should Barrios not have dinged the next, plunked the next batter that came to the plate? Really makes me upset. Anyways, I'd just like to know what you guys think about it. Okay, thank you. Love the show. Uh, I mean, you won the game. You took three of four from the Astros. I I used to think that way, uh, Glenn. I think, you know, one of the things I think is, has kind of happened in the past couple of years, I think players know other players more. I had this conversation with, this was years ago, conversation with somebody about why, and it was, I might have even I it, it it might have been when when I first started covering the Blue Jays, but there was an incident, and I'm I'm trying to remember the name of the visiting pitcher hit somebody in the Blue Jays. The next inning, the Blue Jays retaliated, and then of course guys were thrown out. And the question was, why did you do it? And the idea and and the the point made to me was, we know the guy, we think it was deliberate. And I've often wondered if sometimes that doesn't enter into it because there are so many relationships now in baseball based on guys who have similar agents or guys who may have played with, with, with dudes in the World Baseball Classic or spend time together in the winter or work out together. I tend to think there are some dudes that it happens. Guys look out and they go, I, I know that guy. I don't think it, I don't think that's, that's necessarily intentional. So that's kind of the way I look at it now. I think things have changed. I think in that situation, and you have to ask yourself, if things escalate and you hit one of the Astros and they decide to hit one of your guys in retaliation again, like, do you really want to take that chance when you don't have Kiermaier? Vladdy ain't hitting you just sent Alec Manoa down. Do you want to get in a situation where Barrios gets suspended and misses started? This just to me, there's no net gain to it. There's no net gain to it. Long-winded answer: No. He's a, re- a rever- reverse splits guy. Lefties are hitting 308. Righties are hitting 213. He has trouble arm side. Arm side with the two seamer is very hard because the target is smaller. Right. You want to start it at a certain area, like outer third to a righty, and have that thing stay in the strike zone till very late. He's having trouble arm side. Absolutely not. Like that's you, you're you just mentioned it. You're on a roll. Uh, it's against two lefties. 
It's not on purpose. You can tell that. Yeah. You know, he's having trouble between the, the ears. And the dude doesn't I mean, have running he, out there. He also, the dude also doesn't have, he does not have that reputation of being a. Yeah, I don't think so. Of being that type of no. guy. No. Um, don't dig in. Too, a little bit. But, it, I mean, like, you yeah, it, you know, like, I, 10, 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, people look at that and go, that's Maybe. pretty good, pretty good pitcher hitting one of our guys. Um, yeah, I would just ask, why would you hit? Why would you hit Kevin Kiermeyer intentionally? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, I think that that things are just so the game is just so much. It's just so different now that um, I think they're on a roll too. You don't want to disrupt roll. that anyway. And you know, I, I have yeah. to admit that one of the moments where I kind of changed my whole thinking about that was watching Joaquin Benoit charge out of the dugout. Hurt that, himself. That brawl yeah. uh, between the Yankees and the Jays. The Yankees are out of it. The Jays are going to the postseason. He tears his Achilles. I, it's just, it's, I it's just seen too much, too many of those things. It's just not worth it. To yeah, me. I'm with you, Jim and Hamilton. You keep on repeating. It's performance driven. This is a performance driven league. Do you think Vladdy should be moved in the order, whether it be? In the second, and you swap Bo to third, or do you move Vladdy down the line, put him in four, five, until his bat starts to swing? Your comments. Look forward to them. Thank you. Have a good day. I'll let you go with that. Uh, I don't. Uh, okay, I, I think moving him down in the order would do absolutely nothing. You're going to pitch to him and hitting fifth, just like you would pitch to him hitting third. I will say this. I ha- I brought this up two days ago. Mm-hmm. Did I say it two days ago? Where flip flopping, Bo and Vladdy would make mentally a little bit of sense. Now you'd have to walk up to Bo and ask, "Is it okay if we do this?" It's more about the dude hitting behind you than it is you. You change nothing. You are what you are. At this point, I think Bo has earned that right. Absolutely, that, that you're you gonna don't... Ask, basically you're going to ask permission. Yeah. To say, "Is it okay if we do this?" We really need to get him going. The only reason I would even think about that is, is there would be a different mindset of trying to hit a single and get on base than to always try and drive in bow. There, that, that at bat is totally different than it is just trying to short to it, long through it, stay up the middle. I'm trying to barrel up a pitch. I'm trying to get on first because the dude hitting behind me is raking and is hitting everything, and I'd like to run first to home. So sort of the revolt, the, the everything has reversed by my thinking of just how I'm trying to approach and at bat, but hit, actually hitting in fifth. I don't think that does anything. Everybody else around him is not real yeah, good and, at hitting. You know, and, and this you're going to pitch to him the same way. And the whole thing about dropping a guy in the order and performance driven, I think your argument is you're almost you, you want to penalize Vladdy because he isn't hitting. And well, you first have of a better all, option. first of all, you got to know your guy. Secondly, you got to have a better option. And third, I'm hitting you clean up. Isn't exactly. It's not like benching a guy. You know well, what I, I mean? think it's not not clean up. It would be more of the if you want six seven. If you want yeah, if you to send hole. a message, you do like you do like, like you did with Bo last year. Two to the seven hole. Two to the seven hole. Oh, that's a big move. And yeah, I just don't. Uh, again, you got to know your guys. You got to know your but guys. Two wrongs don't make a right. But yeah. it's not Bo's fault that Vladdy is having challenges laying off the ball in with a little bit of movement and the ball the way 
with a little bit of movement. That's not Bo's fault. Right. Don't don't move me in the order. It's not my fault. I'm raking. I'm yeah. doing my thing. Let him figure it out. If he's that good of a hitter, he should be able to figure it out. But I will say this: 107 at bats at home without a homer. That's something. that's a whole different story. Luckily, that's going to end Question. tonight against Sonny Gray. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. Fingers crossed. They really need him. And he needs it, too. Hey, well, how nice would it be for Vladdy to walk out and pour the Gatorade on himself after the game, talking to Arden? How about that? How about just walking out there because you did something special and you're the player of the game? You know what I'd like to see happen? And I'd, you pour it on yourself. You know what I'd like to see happen when that happens? I'd like to see Hazel or Arden pour it on Flatty. Why? He doesn't get Hazel anymore. She's over it. So I've been told. I know. Oh, you have pretty good sources you there, think? too. So, mm. But, um, yeah, I'd like to see that. Hmm. I don't. I, I wouldn't. Do I, other teams do that a lot? I don't have. Do what? Pour the Absolutely. thing over each other? Oh, you know. It's okay. like the bottle of water. They come out with, like, Two or what? three guys, bottles of water, just yeah, pour it is. on your head. Yeah, that that when they get the home plate, that's just AJ Burnett silly. used to do that. Throw the bubble gum box at you. And yeah, I've never done that. Uh, hey, no name. So this oh. is a generic call. Things we never want to do because we don't know if the person is legit or not. Right, mm. Mark? Mm. <laughs> right under the bus. <laughs> this is the thing we don't want to do. Let's go wow. ahead. No name. Maybe I'm a little late to the party and maybe we're going down a rabbit hole here, but I need to know what is the problem with Buck Walter Jeff? Just lay it out there that's for a, us. That's a that's a great question that should be answered only by one person. What is the problem with that, Buck That is that is you. Floor is yours. You have uh you it actually have six back, minutes. This is a, no, this is gonna no, be a long it answer. It goes back to a day in spring training when he was with the Texas Rangers. And um, are you making this up? No, I've never heard this. No. And uh, I was at their spring training camp doing a doing a feature story. The middle of the clubhouse, I notice, and Buck Showalter runs like he is. He runs everything. The boss. He is the boss. Absolutely. And he runs. When I say he runs everything, he determines everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the middle of the clubhouse. And there's an atomic clock in the middle of the clubhouse that every player can see. So it's not like it's saying it, it's 7.15 a.m. It's 7.15, Like, it's an atomic clock. It's like the stupid debt clock in New York that just keeps going it. and Buck. going, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, if you're a player, you're looking at this and, oh, Jesus, batting practice another, oh, yeah, you got to, like, it's just, it was dumb. It was just dumb. And I know the players didn't like it. It's like, it just creates a sense of you're being rushed. Yeah, guys would kind of roll their eyes. That's Buck. Anyhow, I talked to the writers about it. That's Buck. So that was one thing. But anytime, and then the way, you know, the whole thing with the Blue Jays when uh, it was Stroman and Jose Batista and all this. And yeah, Buck was just, he was kind of like that, you know, the little dude that was all the time. It's like, you never played. For the most part, you didn't play. Just stop it. Stop it. Then, I mean, it was just, it was like n- n- stuff that just kind of. Only bugs you. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Exactly. It's only me. you. Well, you know bugs. the stuff that bugs me. Yeah, yeah, which then, is everything. Then there's, there's, 
Then there's the playoff game here in 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 Toronto where he forgets to put Zach Britton. He didn't in. forget. The news conference the day before, we're in the media room. He comes in, and he goes, Oh, man, they have air conditioning in this place. It's hot. Are you hot? It's pretty was, hot. Was it hot? Let me finish. It's pretty hot in here. Yes. No, I guess they don't have air. It's like, shut up. Did you say that to him? No. Why didn't you? Because I'm not going to get that. But it was just, it was like, he just, he's, he's, he natters. He just natters. And he does give you the sense that he invented the game. That's all. Mm. I mean, it's just. It was, I'm not sure those are those are valid reasons. By well, it's you. not. I listen. I'm not sure that's that's what well, you no, hang not, your head it, on. Why you don't like Buck? It's not that I. It just he he bugs me. It's not that I. I don't have any deep hate for him, but I do enjoy watching him twist and turn and his turn and his. I do enjoy his team sucking. It does bring me a certain amount of. I'm entitled to do that. I'm entitled to take. Okay. Satisfaction. Well, at least you have a, you, other people's at least discomfort. You have a reason. Well, no, I, there really wasn't. It's like, it's like, you know, I'm not going to name names, but I know there are people who bug the hell out of you for no apparent reason. You. No, I know <laughs> people that we know bug you for no apparent reason. You. As, as a player, as a player. Yeah. As a player. Yeah. I guarantee there were guys you didn't like. Yeah, yeah. Just because. Because yeah. there was something about them that, Yeah. Right? Yeah, I couldn't tell you what their names were. That, no. That's the point. You but, just ignore them. And, and some of them they are probably big didn't names. like me either. No, but some of them are big names. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. I know one. I'm not going to say, but I know one because we're talking about it today. <laughs> They're just different things. And uh, it's not, it's good, clean fun. There's no autopsy, no foul, right? That's all. Well, that's okay. But I did the whole, I did not, the whole it's Orioles thing, the whole Orioles thing was show up. It was just, well, they I'm were a good team for a while. Yeah, but I'm not a. I'm they not should a, get credit for that. Yeah, I just I'm I'm not a big fan. Well, I'm not a big help fan. Us if he come, if the Mets come back this season, and I'm win not the a, World Series. I'm not a big. Oh. I'm not a big fan of managers getting into it with players on other teams. I'm just not. I'm not. I never have been. You want to get into it with a coach or another mm. manager? That's fine. Like Schneider gets into it with Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone gets in it with him and Pete Walker. They get in with the coaches. I'm fine. Coach and coach crime, manager and manager crime. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. She get 30 seconds. Huh? 30 seconds. Go. Ding. I'm okay with stuff like that. Huh? But I don't like manager player interaction. I never have, especially like leave my players alone. Too much thought into that. Well, a guy. Yeah. was Boffo intentionally doing that. He did it on purpose. No name. For all I know, it's probably one of those clowns in the back there called up. (laughs) That was me. I bet. Disguised their voice. (laughs) I did that. I don't. (laughs) David, I'm looking at you back. I'm looking at you back there. Sounds just like you. I'm looking at you know, looking at Boffo. Boffo's looking away now. I know. Uh, no mm. idea. That's how things work anyhow. That was some quality ragging of the puck, let me tell you. Uh, mm. 7.07 is the first pitch tonight as the Jays and the Minnesota Twins open a three-game series. Sweep. sweep. Oh, say I thought it. you, you want to say it? Uh, you're calling a sweep? Uh, the, tonight's going to be tough. I'm calling a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go out on the limb tonight and say that they win. Gonna be a close one. Five, five they to win, two. They win three two. Now they win four two. Vladdy homers and they sweep the series. How about that? Wow. 
You know, you do know that Twinkies has the most strikeouts in baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever they do as an offense. I know they do. I you got, didn't know that. I'm feeling buoyant about this team. I think they're back. They're back. Uh, speaking of back, Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk tonight following the 4-1 Blue Jays win over the Minnesota Twins or 4-2, whatever it's going to be. We'll celebrate Vladdy's home run. Please yes. join us. We will be back on Monday from 5 to 7 Eastern on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet. Listen to us via podcast. Leave us a nice rating and a review. And most importantly, have yourself a great weekend and happy pride, everybody.